BamaOnline.com on YouTube right now. It is a Thursday morning, February the 29th. Leap year, right, Tim Watts? Is that what we're talking about here? This is sort of a special commemorative edition of T. Watts and T.R. Travis Schreier, senior analyst for BOL alongside site publisher Tim Watts. uh, And best of all BOL subscribers, if I have this right, even with the extra day, Tim, we don't charge extra right for the month no. of february you get you get today free right it was on the table but we nixed it just got a little <laughs> just got a little t2r just got a little t2r people we just left it let it ride whatever we want that extra 38 cents so yeah we, um, uh free day here so on still, I don't, i'm not going to go in this rabbit hole but i'm still curious about this i'm curious daylight savings time which i still don't understand didn't understand it as a kid and still don't now yeah, got, you got, uh, got some rules. I feel like we're a long time ago that probably could be changed a little bit. Oh, Tex Hyder checking in here in the comments. Free BOL, Tex says. He's I loving think it. he beats us here. He likes that idea, I think. And we've also got Todd checking in. Good morning, Todd. Chris says, let's get it. Chris bringing some energy. We might need yeah. that. Yeah. Might need that this morning. Thursday. Straight out of Bama, Chris. And our guy, Bob. Bob. Count on Bob. Set your clocks by Bob, whether yeah. it's uh, daylight savings time or just kind of what we're looking at right now. We've got JM, JFJM uh, in here. Nice. 7 a.m. for him. He must be, uh, is he West tuning Coast, in right? on the West Coast, I guess? Yeah, he'd be like California, Seattle, I think. LA, Jim. Well, it would have worked well for uh, JM, JF. JM last night because we had a late night hoops, Tim Watts. And once again, second half surge for Nate Oates's team. Looked a little sketchy there in the first half. Looked like it might be a Lexington hangover, a game kind of like Alabama football under Nick Saban. You know, you saw teams that would lose to Alabama one week and then lose again the next week after playing Alabama. You wondered for a minute if there wasn't going to be that big blue type of effect on Alabama, but man, 64 points in the second half, Tim. And we can talk about Aaron Estrada's triple-double. We can talk about Ryland Griffin's second half, uh, Davin Cosby, Mark Sears with 20-plus again. So where are you going to start with this latest performance? You know, I think with this team, it's pretty consistent. Every time we discuss them, we've got three or four guys we can talk about as player of the game, realistically. Um, I thought it was, you know, Alabama was kind of, you know, I wouldn't even blame it completely on the defense early because Ole Miss was hot. They were getting some open looks. But, yeah, when they ran out early, you had to think. You know, I even texted a buddy. I said, Bama's – I'm not worried about the defense. They got to score 110 to win, which they pretty (laughs) much came close to. You know, that's that was the thing. But when they finally made that run at the end of the second half, I felt a lot better. They looked a lot – they looked a lot more comfortable out there defensively. Ole Miss obviously can't stay that hot or they'd score – 200 points. I thought they had a good start despite Flanagan missing the first two minutes of the game. They still managed to (laughs) to stay. I mean, dude, why don't you snub your nose with the two-minute suspension? Just play him, dude. You're not going to start, but go ahead and get to the scores table. At the opening tip, as soon as we tip this, go to the scores table and get ready to check in. That's your suspension. That's your discipline. And he told his guy, if y'all get the jump ball, call timeout. (laughs) You know, yeah, I hope you've learned your lesson here. Well, I mean, like I I just posted on the round table, you know, you you played him, you got drug at home, 
you know, welcome to your NIT seating. You know, I hope it was worth it in front of a half full crowd. Just very odd that he wasn't suspended after Wagyu. And I, and I agreed with, with the Alabama suspension entirely, you know, elbow to the, elbow to the dome gets you a suspension, but I also thought an elbow to your friggin' jaw would get you, get Ew. you, get you a game. And even well, then, again, thought, had 28 last night. He went off too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? He had a really good game. He's a good player. That's, you know, also that's the premeditated elbow to the face. That wasn't a scrum play. Like Wahoo. No. that no. was a time by step. Uh Oh, here's a half step swing MMA trained elbow. But it was for not. You still got. You still. Got yeah, we need to get Wagyu to change it to Wagyu. That way, we could get him maybe an NIL deal with Ragu. You know, yes. we can work these things up for him. But yeah, and I mean, it was a, yeah. it was a wild affair. And Alabama down fourteen in the first half. No Latrell right cell for the third straight game too, yeah. Tim. So if I told you going into that stretch that right cell was going to miss at least three games. And we'll see what his status is coming up for Tennessee on Saturday night. And I said, look, you're going to get Florida at home. You're going to get Kentucky on the road and Ole Miss on the road. You're going to go two and one without Reitzel. Would you have taken that heading into that stretch? Yeah, I think I would have. I mean, I almost would have predicted that with him also. You know, we knew we knew it wasn't a 50-50 toss-up with Kentucky, but it just depended on which Kentucky team you were getting. If you got the bus all, you're going to have your work cut out for you. It didn't matter who was on your roster. Um, if you got a team down and out, you know, I think that it would have been, you know, a much better chance to win. So, yeah, I'll take it. And especially, you know, that's the SEC, it's tough. I mean, Alabama's a better team than Ole Miss, um, but the SEC's tough on the road. The SEC's extremely tough on the road. you got to stay focused mentally to get down early, to have a few guys foul out. Um, but I mean, they limited turnovers. They had less, less than double digit turnovers, uh, push steals up to around eight. I think, I think they had eight and eight, right? Eight turnovers mm -hmm. and eight steals kind of balanced that out. Shoot 40% from three, you know, just, you know, Mark Sears. I mean, there's a lot of good players in this league. And, and certainly I saw a discussion about the Tennessee guard, uh, Dallas that, uh, I don't, Dalton, uh, Dalton connect. Yeah. Dalton connect. Yeah. Dalton. Unreal. Not Dallas. Dallas seems better, but Dalton Connect, who's run real. But Mark Sears is every bit in the discussion for SEC Player of the Year in my book. I mean, you know, again, twenty six points, five rebounds, four assists. You know, just does all the little things. No turnovers, also no turnovers, which was huge. So he's having a great year, and that matchup against Tennessee this week with Dalton is uh, is going to be is going to be a fun one. But last night, I mean, you take that win. You get big shots. I mean, Cosby, <laughs> he shows he's not, you know, old, you know, Ole Miss is trying to pull in late, you know, getting cut it to four, I believe. And he had a big three, no hesitation pull. So there's one thing about this team. They don't have a whole lot of conscious, you know, they don't know if they're up 30 or down. If you do, if you do, you'll get benched. I mean, yeah. if you, if you, yeah. if you're going to turn down open threes or even semi-contested yeah. threes, At Nate's going to sit you. Yeah. At any point of the game, they'll pull it. That's what I like. Down 30, up 30, it's all the same to them. And I see that mentality paying off. And, and again, a big win, a win we thought you had to have. We're getting to that stretch where we felt – I thought they were going to go three and two, I think. So I felt they had to split these next two games um, realistically. But, I mean, obviously it's one game at a time, and your first one's Tennessee. And it's a big one after uh, – Beating Auburn last night, that's a great game. That's a really good competitive game out there. Um, so beating them, that set it up. Kind of eliminated Auburn. I think they're on the outside looking in now. But 
but big, a lot of big SEC games left. If you look at everybody's schedule, there's a lot left. And Auburn wins that game last night, and they close out with Mississippi State, Missouri, and Georgia. So you're probably looking at your SEC champion if they win that game last night. Yeah, and still not in the worst shape if some things play out certain ways between Alabama and Tennessee because, as you've talked about, Tennessee closes out with ranked opponents from now until a week from Saturday. Everybody's ranked on Tennessee's schedule. And, of course, Alabama with Tennessee and Tuscaloosa on Saturday. Then a quick turnaround to Florida and Gainesville next Tuesday. Yeah, they got at Alabama, at South Carolina. Look. I'd wrote, I'd written the Gamecocks they, they off. Will not, they will not go away. They I wrote them all. Games. They, yeah. you know, I think they might have been right. I'm not sure the SEC was ready for them. They, they are I wasn't ready for this South Carolina for sure. They're ready. They're a really good team. I mean, they win close games, games you wouldn't expect. There's a couple you kind of hope expected them to fall out, and they just haven't. So and then they also go to Kentucky. So they got Kentucky at the end of the year. I mean, Alabama doesn't have a cakewalk with Florida and Tennessee. You got to survive these two. Uh, South Carolina still has to play Florida and Tennessee, and Florida's got to play South Carolina and Alabama. So all these top teams, they are going head to head down the stretch. And I, you know, we're old. I don't remember this much activity in an no, SEC this with is, this many teams. This is, and look, I really liked. 80s SEC basketball. Yeah. I'm old enough to speak yeah. to that. I loved it when Barkley was in the league. I loved it when you had those those Alabama teams with Keith Askins and some of those Melvin Cheatham and yeah, some of those guys. But in terms of depth and quality games, night in and night out, I can't recall another era of SEC basketball like this. Charlie was on yesterday. We were talking about it. You had three games Tuesday night that were decided by a total of six points, three games. And it was good stuff last night too. I mean, Alabama hit Ole Miss with a big haymaker there in the second half, but you were still locked into that game going three, four minutes left because Grant Nelson fouls out, Ryland Griffin fouls out. You don't have Reitzel. And so a big benefit to this Alabama team with Cosby doing what he did, especially with Walters for a second straight game, not exactly looking like you'd want him to at this stage in the season. Now you feel like you're confident. And if I need to turn to a Davin Cosby, I can do that. I mean, we're looking at six teams left for the championship, which is amazing. Um, I'll have a shot to win it. Uh, and then you're talking about six teams that have 20 wins. And Mississippi State doesn't get a lot of love, but at eight and seven in this conference at 19 and nine, they're having a heck of a year considering how strong the SEC is. But yeah, back to that Bama game, we sort of skipped over to Strada. I thought that was an amazing performance. I mean, if you got to give your MVP your game ball, who do you give it to, Travis? Who is your who is your guy? You know, we've gotten desensitized to 20-point games now by Mark Sears. I think that was his ninth one of the season. Dude goes for 26, and he's not a volume guy. He doesn't need a lot of shots to get there. What do you take, 14 shots? 14 shots. So I feel like we're we're getting to the point where we're undervaluing Mark Sears, if anything, because he's too consistent. But what you got in the second half between Griffin and Cosby – That, to me, sort of keyed everything. And that's understanding. We're talking about a triple-double from Aaron Estrada. It's it's a hard pick, Tim. Yeah, I agree with Sears. I mean, you're looking at a guy that had three steals, no turnovers, also on top of everything. Um, 
the game is so easy to him. But yeah, Estrada, and you go with big shots again, Cosby, huge shot. You know what I mean? Five Down four, lost the momentum. Um, you know, Ryland again was big. I just think this team, that's what I like about this team. And they can be frustrating to watch at times, but man, they're really overall over 40 minutes. They're a lot better than they're not. They're a lot more fun than they are frustrating. And you have guys that want to play and guys that do all kind of different roles out there. And you never know who's actually going to step up. You know, you know what, you know what Mark's giving you, right? You know what he's giving point, you. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but you don't really know everything that's happening with everybody else. 15 threes for Alabama in the game, nine of those in the second half, nine of 17. And when you just look at Ryland uh, and Davin in that second half, that was that was a lot of it. And a team that we don't talk about enough shoots it from the free throw line at such a high level. We raise hell about Alabama teams, right, when they don't shoot it well from the free throw line. That seems like it's been more, off, more often than not, more years than not. Now they're shooting it around 80, 81 percent. Eh, well. We don't really talk about that. And then the turnovers that you mentioned earlier, cut those in half from the Kentucky game, went from 16 to 8. You know, if this team sub 10 turnovers and 15 threes and 18 free throws, they're still going to be a tough out, regardless of the defense, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And we skip ahead to Saturday. Well, we've got Florida, South Carolina. It's an elimination game. I think – is would you consider Alabama-Tennessee – an elimination game. I mean, that's a tough loss to come back from and still win with the remaining games on their schedule, right? I would think for Tennessee it is. If Alabama wins that game, it could lose at Florida and then still beat Arkansas at home, I think, the next Saturday um, and and be in good shape. Although, you know, if Tennessee goes 2-0 and the next week, you're still talking about a split between Alabama – in Tennessee in the regular season, and then the tiebreakers and all about is it, wait, how no, all that. Wait, is there works. a tiebreaker, or is it just the split championship? Yeah, but you got a seed for the SEC tournament. Yeah, that's true. You got to have a one and a two, so there will be some tiebreakers in play, at least from yeah. that perspective. But I think if you beat Tennessee and you're Alabama, you feel very good about no worse than a co-championship. And if you yeah. do finish, whether you're the one or you're the two seed. Because you split those games, you're gonna you're gonna claim a co-championship, I would think, and I think rightfully so, uh, if it plays out that way. So the stage is set, as our show graphic ex- exclaims today, for Alabama and Tennessee College Game Day showing up on Saturday in Tuscaloosa. Well, I'll tell you, you talked about Dalton Connect earlier in that game against Auburn last night. That was legendary yeah. stuff. I mean, that was Bernard Williams. Yeah, I mean that was that's that's about as good as it gets. Yeah, and he was doing it inside, mid-range, driving to the basket, and that was the heated game. I mean, we had Auburn is a uh, Auburn likes to talk to you in the game. They got some confidence. I think they had to. They played that game like their season was on the line, which made it so big. Bruce Pearl, you could tell the tension. Bruce Pearl was losing his mind. I mean, if they dribbled (laughs) twice, he was calling double dribble. You know what I mean? He was a he got a tech on a foul. There was no foul. There was, I mean, it was, he lost his mind. His team's trying to calm him down. Um, the emotions were so high in that. And Bruce Pearl doesn't bother me. I'll be honest. I like, I, I like an emotional coach. I don't mind. He's yelling and screaming. I mean, I'm, you know, it, you know, they're saying a lot of stuff a lot of times when they're not emotional like that, but it's always a good contrast against Barnes. When you have a Barnes versus Pearl that, you know, that's the closest I've seen anybody play 
Well, South Carolina beat Tennessee there. But otherwise, that's the closest I've really seen anybody play, anybody in Knoxville. Heck of a game. I mean, some big shots, some, you know, closeouts. So, uh, Tennessee knows what's on the line. Hattie May checking in here in the comments. Had to have the wind, he says. What a response. Nate is on every school's list, though, for a That's new good. coach. And we've had this discussion before, though, about Nate and his future. Is it is it more of a possibility for Nate Oates to coach college basketball somewhere other than Alabama? Or is it more likely that if he coaches somewhere than uh, other than Alabama, Tim, it's it's in the NBA. Yeah, I think he'll have both options. I mean, it's a good thing. You don't want to have a coach nobody wants. I can tell you what your record is when that happens. You want people that want your coach. Also, he's a hot name. People are just going to throw him out because let's be honest, a lot of the people that cover basketball don't consider Alabama much of a, a basketball school, right? They're, they they can they see it entirely as a football school. So they think everybody that, you know, in the North is – I don't know. The funniest thing to me is, hey, a Northern school's got to open and he's from the North. That's not always how it works. It's not always you go back to, to co you know, a lot of these guys don't coach in their home states where they grew up. So um, Nick Saban's another example of that. But yeah, I mean, you'd want everybody to to, to want your coach, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially the likes of Kentucky and, uh, you know, just about the, the blue bloods when you run down the list. And you, they should want him. He's a hell yeah. of a coach. You know, well, I mean? here's the thing I'll say it. And I know. We're talking about a bigger sample size with Nick Saban. But the best thing to me that a coach can do, Tim, is have his team relevant to championship discussion going into the final month of the season. And what has Nate Oates done yeah. really throughout his time at Alabama? Yeah, I mean, I would tell you this Alabama team is probably one of his least talented he's had since he's really had his own roster when you're looking at – NBA talent. I mean, again, I, I mean, I can't praise Nate Oates enough because, the, I mean, what did they lose? 70, 75% of their offense last year. The talent that left last year was unbelievable. Um, and to put a whole new roster together, it's not really, there's no first round pick on this team. One, but as far as one this coming season, there's no first round pick on this team. And to compete in the SEC and the SEC to be insanely good. That's the thing. I mean, insanely good. When you look at Auburn, I think you would think individually there's more talent on the field. You know what I mean? You would think, but the scheme and the guys are a perfect fit for Nate Oates' system makes this, you know, what you want it to be. He recruited guys for his system. Tennessee's an extremely talented team, right? Yeah. I mean, there's talent. There's talent all in the SEC. Kentucky is bananas talented, you know? So uh, I just think that goes, you know, again, to this group of kids, Kids, I guess they're grown up to this, this stage, but this group of guys uh, to play as well as they have, and 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 again, you know, rights will being down, which is just a <clears throat> just a tragic time of the year. I mean, you come upon that stretch, your hottest player, perhaps. I mean, again, Sears is probably always the hottest, as you pointed out, but certainly one of the the, the second, third hottest player on the team to be out this long, and them still to go two and one. Hopefully, get him back for these final three games, and you know. Just keep grinding. I mean, it's been a hell of a season for me. After the start where you had to yeah. have concerns right, I think they did a, a tremendous job. I've enjoyed this team. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if this next topic is going to be fun for you or not, but we're going to shift gears to college football recruiting talk as rumblings, Tim, of a change to the signing periods in the sport. 
could be on the immediate horizon, if approved, you could have signing periods that would get underway the final Wednesday in June, which we know has become a big time for an important time for official visits, those type of things. Uh, Then you would also have the Wednesday after the regular season finish to the college football season, a signing date. And then you would still keep the February 1st Wednesday in the month of February date. Um, What are your thoughts initially? Obviously, getting this thing, the early date, out of the middle of December is a big point of contention right now. I just, I don't understand, like, who's my, like, why are they making everything so complicated? Somebody needs a hobby. They need to do Legos. They need to find a, a Game Boy or something they can do. Three is a lot. You keep adding dates. There's going to be 10 portal windows. There's going to be 10 sign-in windows. It's just more confusing. What the heck's the purpose of the end of June? So they take official visits and they're done. There's no June. There's no July and August. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's to take the pressure off. I don't know why you wouldn't wait till the end of summer and then wait the second one to the end of the season. I don't even know what the February purpose one is at this stage anymore, but I don't think you need three. I think you can find two and separate them out. But like you pointed out before the show, we were talking about a 14-man playoff two weeks ago, and here it comes. So I don't know why they keep trying. They are not making it easier for anybody is what – I don't know if they're trying to, but they're – they're. I mean, I feel like they're making it harder for the for the play, the kid, the, the signees and stuff. I just feel like it's – you know, more, you know, more difficult for them. There's more decisions. I would never sign in June as a player. I would sign either the, after my senior season, because what's going to happen, let's be real. What's going to be, what's going to happen if this player gets a middle Tennessee offer and he's so happy and they're like, take the offer, take the offer and signs in June. And what if he blows up as a senior, you have tampering, messing with him. I'm trying to get out of his scholarship. You're going to have all those things happening. And it's just, I don't know. It's just like it's made it harder for everybody. And again, you got coaches having to double up. They're holding camps or having official visits. You know, I just don't think there's a lot of, I don't think there, I don't know if it's the same person or the same committee or what making decisions, but I don't like them. Yeah. You know, it's obviously an attempt to get it out of the middle of December because of what you're going to have with the college football playoff expansion now going from 12 to 14, it looks like anyway. Uh, We're going to have about a two-year run of 12 teams, and then in 2026, it's looking like we're going to go to 14 teams. I think that's interesting, too. Pete Thamel of ESPN reporting on this in the last day or so. In that scenario of 14 teams, Tim, you would have guaranteed three teams apiece for the SEC in the Big Ten. So roughly half, just guaranteed. Now, there'll still be three at-large bids that'll still be available after the ACC gets two, after the Big 12 gets two, and a G5 gets one. I mean, there are going to be some years where you could see the SEC with certainly no fewer than four teams in a 14-team playoff. And I don't think I'm too crazy to surmise that it there could be five maybe even six at some point in this it, it's all about the sec and the big 10 now yeah i don't know why they just don't just i told we discussed this last year let's just go to the 64 team format 
let's just play this bad boy out like the NCAA basketball tournament. I mean, they're gonna they're not gonna stop at fourteen, right? That's not even a that's not even a that's not even a bracketable number. You know what I mean? You know, you I, know I think I think where they stop is dependent upon the pressure they get from two leagues, the SEC and the Big Ten. Because if I told you right now, Tim, okay, there's going to be a 12-team playoff right now, but it's it's going to be one playoff that is the top six teams from the SEC and the top six teams from the Big Ten in 12 teams together in their own playoff. And then you can have a 12-team playoff of what's left, of the Big 12 and the ACC and the G5, there is no Pac-12 now. They've been absorbed, as we know, pretty much. Which playoff are you watching if you're a consumer? You're going to watch that SEC Big Ten? I mean, I'm going to watch both. I know yeah. that. But which are you going to be more excited about? I, personally, yeah. I think, you know, you start thinking about a two-league playoff of Alabama, Georgia, LSU, um, Texas, Oklahoma, potentially. Uh, you get into SC, the Big yeah. Ten side with SC, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. The brands is what I'm talking about. The brands are aligned together now with this Big Ten SEC sort of uh, commitment they've got to each other. No, I agree. I mean, I just think that instead of trying to – I mean, it's complicated as it can get at every level, and I think they're trying to make it more complicated instead of less complicated. I don't think, like – you know, if you're building a house and the foundation isn't strong, I don't think you're like, hey, let's get that second floor up. That'll fix it. I think you better break it down and start over, figure it out. Even, you know, going back to the two signing period, why wouldn't you just do August and February? I don't understand. Like, I don't understand. If you don't want to do it in December, then just don't do it in December. Make it August before their senior year. Make it February after their senior year and after All-Star games. They take their visits in you know, whenever the playoffs are over, I don't know how a third one's going to benefit anybody, to be honest. And again, it's going to open up the portal, kids wanting out of that scholarship, kids that can blow up as a, hey, you're going to have to make a tough decision. You know, you're going to have to make a tough decision. Do you take that offer? Because you know what schools are going to do? It's the same thing they do in basketball. It's contingent on you committing and signing now. So if you get that offer and you feel like maybe you can play at, you know, Georgia, Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma, well, you don't take your your smaller offer. Well, you, if you can't play it at the bigger one and you've lost your smaller offer. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I like the August, February. That's what. I don't know why I would go to a third one. Because you're basically two a year and you've got one yes. in the middle of the year and one at the new year. Yeah, there's yeah. nobody that said they can take their visits. I mean, adjust the dead periods. Too. And in in terms of on the field stuff in August, you're talking about fall camp which is yeah. kind of like spring. I mean, it's more important because you're ramping up to actual games in August, but I don't think it would be as conflicting as it is right now with where they've kind of got things set up on the recruiting calendar. Um, big, big stretch of recruiting about to crank back up in college football, and part of that is spring practice at various stops. Uh, in the sport, and certainly our focus on Alabama next Monday, Kalen DeBoer, Tim Watts, going to go through or start up his first run yeah. of spring practice at the University of Alabama. So when I ask you for Kalen DeBoer in this first, first stretch of spring drills, and I talk about a potential to-do list for DeBoer and his staff, do you think about things like practice tempo, structure, just getting 
acclimated to the practice approach of this new staff? Is it identifying maybe system fits personnel wise, looking at players and thinking about how they're going to fit into what this staff really wants to do now on both sides of the football? Is it a meshing of a new staff? You've still got some guys that are, are getting acclimated to one another uh, and some support staff for that matter as well. So when I ask you that question, Maybe it's another attribute that you've got on your list. But where do you start with Kalen DeBoer in this run? I start with the guys I question whether they fit or not, right? That's the ones, and that's not to say that's not a bad thing. You just want to see what they can do and how they fit in because you've got to, you know, you're going to have to make decisions after spring when you get to this portal window, who's coming in, who's going out, all that stuff. you got to have questions because there's a lot of guys on the team, they don't have film on. Now, they probably have the access to the practice footage and all that, but they're not going to have game film on a lot of those guys, you know, like they've never seen Dylan Lonergan in the game. So, um, you know, they've never really seen Keon Keeley, Quay Russo. There's so many guys like that. So that'd be my first is attack the guys, see the ones I want to know, get to know the ones I'm confident with. You know, you, you're, you're going to have a feel for some of these guys. You're going to know some of these guys fit your system, but I'd answer those questions first and, uh, you know, try to start adjusting my roster and then everything else. I mean, the pace is going to fall in place. I mean, every one of these coaches are experienced. Every one of these coaches are pros. So they'll fall into the pace pretty quickly. And the good news is half of them are very familiar with uh, Kalen DeBoer already. So you don't have a lot of new guys adjusting to him. I mean, it'll probably be new for Gillespie and, you know, Freddie Roach and, and Colin, the Wisconsin coach, Hitchler. Some of those guys, but a lot of these guys came Womack's familiar with, you know, with, with, with Kalen DeBoer. So you're going to get that in there. And also they've been talking about this, you know, having meetings all day and discussing how this is going to go. So, I mean, it's going to be a practice run, but it's almost like the opening of a play. You know, you're pretty well versed on your, on your lines and what you need to do and the players will be in touch and um, they'll, they'll be ready to go as well. Yeah, I'm with you on the uh, aforementioned system fits that we ran through, perhaps, and trying to figure that out. And it's not just in terms of physical attributes. That's obviously going to be a big part of it. But you know what Alabama football is about to undergo that Nick Saban did a great job of keeping to a minimum, even with all the coaching change uh, that that staff underwent in his tenure? Terminology. Yeah. Think about it. I mean, even the positions are named differently. You talk about Wolf and Bandit and those type of things on the defensive side of the ball and how the personnel fits into those roles. The Bandit being a defensive end, the Wolf being the outside linebacker. Sting, that's your weak side linebacker. Uh, Rover is a strong safety. Wolf used to be star. Now it's going to be the nickel position for Kane Womack moving forward. And, you know, just – play calls, terminology of personnel groupings. Saban was very, very good about that, whether it was Tommy Reese, whether it was Bill O'Brien, whether it was different guys on the defensive side of the ball. The terminology, when he talked about the Alabama offense, those type of things stayed in place. There's going to be an onus on these players. You know, we talk about what is Kalen DeBoer going to do. These players are going to have to make more of an effort going into this spring from the perspective that we just outlined than they, than they have ever before, at least since uh, Nick Saban was around. Yeah. Now I got to think the players are pretty excited, right? Aren't you like, like, it's almost like going to a new grade in school where you get new teachers, a new, 
you got some new classmates and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, they're going to, again, this is an audition for a lot of guys, right? I mean, this is a lot of guys getting their first chance to, to show what they can do. Um, they've also waited just, even if it was Nick Saban here, they've waited patiently. A lot of these guys to get a chance to play, to get a chance to showcase. So they'd be excited no matter who the coach was, but to have a new coaching staff, a new set of eyes, again, just Red Roach and Gillespie being the only guys from the previous staff, everybody at every other position. I mean, obviously, Freddie will know his defensive lineman. Uh, Gillespie will know his running backs. But every other position, these are new eyes on you. So, you know, it's, 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 a, it's the second first impression for them. Yeah, there may be – more intricacies in certain areas of what Alabama is going to do now moving forward on offense and defense. But I got to think as well, as we talk about terminology on the other end of that, I don't think it's going to be as nuanced on defense as it was under Nick. It was one thing to even know the terminology with Nick Saban's defense, to be able to take it to the field and then pre and post snap react and respond the way that you were supposed to. Uh, that's where a lot of guys got left on the curb. I think from what it sounds like anyway, just talking defense with Kane Womack, his approach, his defense is going to give more guys a chance at least. There's guys that, in my opinion, seldom had a chance uh, because of just everything that was involved uh, from the playbook and, and upstairs and what you had to had what you had to uh, what you had to process. We talk about quarterbacks processing, but on defense under Nick Saban, you'd better be able to process. That's for sure. Hey, Tim, we got the NFL Combine up in Indianapolis, Alabama at the Combine to get things going. I know you'll love it. I know this is Christmas Day in some ways for you, the start of on the field work at the Combine. You're going to have linebackers and DLs getting things going today. Justin Aboigby, Chris Braswell, Dallas Turner. So strong Alabama representation on a Thursday. Yeah, I like it. I'm really excited to be see Chris. I hope he competes and hope he does well. Um, Justin, I mean, I think everybody's rude for Justin, right? Just a you know fan favorite after the injury and the the hard work he put in. Dallas is you know Dallas is Dallas. I don't know how much uh, how much this can help him or hurt him overall. I mean, he's uh, his production speaks for itself. His work ethic, all that kind of stuff. His he's built for the NFL mentally. He's built to play the game of football. But, yeah, I love this. I mean, I'm going to be most excited, obviously, to see. And I'm also going to watch closely all the Washington guys that are involved. I'm looking forward. This is like a dual – for me, it's like a dual combine because I'm going to be watching the Washington guys and seeing what they do and uh, um, seeing how they uh, how they measure and how they run and how they test. Uh, but, yeah, I'm pretty excited to see the Alabama guys, especially. I want to see Kool-Aid. I always got one I want to see the most. I want to see Kool-Aid, see how he runs because that's the biggest question. And uh, – you know, also Tarion Arnold. I think he's going to test well. Pam, I'm not even sure I'd test if I was Tarion. I don't know. I mean, I think he'll test well, but it might be one of those situations where I'm good enough and I'm versatile enough. My interview is going to be off the chart. I might be I might be happy where I'm at. I'm still not convinced he won't end up in the top 10. Um, obviously, he could fall down. But, dude, we've seen those, those cover corners. Harbaugh's sort of a defensive-minded guy. They're sitting there at five. You know, they need a corner. You know, they, uh, you know, I mean, I'm reaching a little bit, but probably not as much as you think when it comes to a, a defensive back with that size. And, and, and again, the upside, it's not like he's a finished product. I think if it was up to the agents for all of these guys, like Terry and Arnold, they'd say, don't run, just run in Tuscaloosa, run at your pro day. But 
you know when it comes to these wide receivers and DBs, they want to run, Tim. They know this thing is on national television, and they know or they think or believe that they are sub four or five guys. So the ego, you know that ego, man. These guys are still competitive. I think most of them want to run. If they don't, it's because they're strongly advised against it, and they take that advice. Yeah, it's if you're fast, you want to run, right? Yeah. I mean, that's it's just like the guys, like when you played any sport in high school, when you ran gassers or something at the end, they didn't mind running them because they were in the best shape. They're like, sure, let's do it. The rest of them were griping. Well, the guys that are fast want to run. They want to show it off. They want, you know, they want the NFL guys, you know, bragging on them and uh, talking about them and saying how good they looked. And, uh, and it's like and the he, guy works out in his garage on the bench yeah. and everything every every night at like seven o'clock. Yeah. And then on Saturday, you can't wait to walk around the neighborhood with his shirt off, you know? Why not? Yeah, so this, this is a good time, and I think it's Never a good experience. Never had that problem. Yeah. I think it's a good ex- <laughs> I think it's a good experience because they do a lot of interviews. I mean, you get you get you you kind of go from a college, any kind of thought of this is going to be like college ends today with the cattle call. You know what I mean? One, send them out, height, weight, check his guns, moving on. You know what I mean? It's what kind of athlete he is. And if you've worked 21 to 22 years of your life to be the best athlete, this is the place to showcase it. You don't mind, like you said, getting in that, you know, that that dry fit shirt and those uh what I'd consider panties. I don't know what spandex they call. Olympics. That span those those spandex shorts. Those are not shorts. I don't, I'm not, those are those are underwear. I've been to some Alabama Pro Days when some of the boys took the shirts off and I went, whoa. Yes. yes, Andre Smith took the shirt off. Oh, that, that's how good Andre Smith was. He's like, look at me. There's nothing to <laughs> like, and you're still going to take me in the top five of this tape, draft. Tape I'm wins. Eat, I'm tape eating wins. what I want. I'm eating what I want. You're going to take me because I'm that good, and I'm going to last eight to ten years. That's oh. how good Andre Smith was. Still, by far, I think, the best high school offensive lineman I've seen on film, and especially live. I think for Kool-Aid, you run because there is a little bit of that undercurrent out there about him in I relation would. to – so you want to shut it up. And then whatever you run in Indy, you're going to run better in Tuscaloosa, I would think. So Here's the thing with Kool-Aid. You're going to get – you. there's a chance you get punished for them thinking you're a 4-5-3 guy. You're and you're not, you're not going to yeah. be a 4-7-2 guy anyways, right? I mean, Kool-Aid yeah. – you know, that's a phenomenal athlete in his own. That's how great the athletes in the NFL were, are, is Kool-Aid was a one percenter, right? I mean, this guy could dunk a basketball off a lob, played offensive and defense, offense and defense in high school as a standout. I mean, very similar to Jalen Mbakwe. And you get here and people are questioning if he's fast enough. Yeah. You know, but like you said, the NFL, Cam Newton just proved the NFL athletes are a little bit different than you thought they were. What was that? What was that, man? Bad, what was bad, that? That's bad decisions. I know that. I mean, oh like, yeah, you got to have a game plan. You got to have a huddle. One's going high. One's going low. One's doing the choke. You can't come in with the distractor, but I'm going to punch. Cam him. didn't even lose his uh, witch hat. No, he kept his Wizard of Oz hat. The wicked witch. The wicked witch of the West is looking for that Pilgrim everywhere, Mister Newton. But. And he was kind of smiling. He's like, dude, I had five NFL players head punching me. My he knew whole he was dealing with a bunch of bustas. Dude, was, I mean, this guy. That's still scary to me, though, man. Because oh, man, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it got crazy when Cam said, I got something for y'all. That's when it, yeah. you know, they, yeah. that's, that's when it started again. Cause I don't blame him for now. I've been at many AAU Adults will screw off. everything up, though. Adults will screw everything oh, God, up worst. every we're time. Worst. Everybody talks about kids. We're the worst. But I've been in a lot of seven-on-seven seven events. I've been in a lot of AAU events. I've been in a lot of these all-star games. You ever games. seen something like that in an AAU event? I mean, I saw in a Little League game that the, yeah. the coach at 10, I saw the, the kid pitching – 54, 55 miles an hour hit his son, and then th- the dad threatened to go get a gun and then went to the car. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, AAU, I've seen them on the floor. I've seen them shoving. I've seen – Get after refs. I mean, you see videos of refs yeah. getting beat up. I've never, stuff. like, physically seen – I saw a big baby. I, and look, as a parent, I, I can't tell you I haven't, I haven't ever been rough on a ref, okay? I'll admit yeah. that. I, I have. But I don't goodness. try to fight them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. when I was – I was probably 17 years old. I was umpiring T-ball, Tim. T-ball. I'm first base umpire in a T-ball league. I call this kid out at first. His dad happens to be the most prominent local weatherman on local television. Dude comes down the first base line is just letting me have it about the call. Dude's on TV every night, and he's blasting me. I finally look over and I say, you stick to the weather, I'll handle the umpiring. That was that. But I was like, you know, 16, 17 years old. I would yeah. never umpire. But, yeah, I've never – I've seen the players fist the cuff. I've seen the coaches with hands on each other. I've seen parents go at the coaches. I've seen a lot of it. I've seen a lot of the players. You know, that that talking gets going. We were When I was at the, uh, the last California-Florida All-Star game, the trash talking from the Florida defensive backs was epic. <sighs> It was like holy god! They are well. You're getting Broward. You're getting Broward. Remember the Atkins boys? Remember that class with the Atkins went to Florida and they had they had the kid Mike, somebody that went to Georgia wide receiver dude. They those DBs who were who were really good were so ruthless. And this is against their own Florida team. They Mm. had like I saw guys in the wide receiver line skipping to get away from going against the guy who was going to lock them down. So I mean. I've seen a lot of trash talking, but I've never seen anybody jump. You know, I mean, I get to see NBA players at all these games. I never saw anybody like trying to jump Antoine Walker. You know what I mean? That's what it was like. You just jump in some former NBA player like he's not. And again, Cam Newton's had more blow. You can't knock him out. No. That dude's had 150 blows to his head by grown men with helmets. I mean, he. That, that was it's, wild. It's just, it's just scary, man, when, when stuff like that starts happening because you don't know who might do what. Well, you the know, backstory, or who's who. Saw, yeah, you saw there was some. You know who Cam story. Newton is, but you don't know who one of those other dudes really is. Well, apparently know? the backstory is they all knew each other. They coached together. There's a lot of trash talk. And look, I got no doubt Cam Newton talks a mountain of trash in a seven on oh. seven. You're not six foot five wearing the Wicked Witch's hat and silently going through life. You got some confidence. So I think that's just part of it. But if you're going to talk trash with him, um, you know, what's old can't dish it out? Don't, you know, if you don't, if you yeah. can't take it, don't dish it out thing. But I mean, everybody involved, it was just a bad, you know, bad look, you know. It was. And uh, that concludes our combine talk that we sort of melded into. Cam Newton talk here. Just on saying, a NFL morning. guys are, you know, it's like the NBA players. You think you want to fight them? Yeah, yeah. You think yep. you want to fight them, but then like they don't look big on TV. 
but everybody out there is six eight. <laughs> yeah, and everybody like Tyson said, everybody wants some till they yeah take one in the kisser. Like hey, uh, let's yeah. let's go ahead and jump into this mailbag where we have CEH for Bama checking in to get us going. He wants to know, Tim, a prediction on who will be the first commit of this upcoming recruiting class. He also says he's still waiting on that hat, that hat that we have promised that I keep right here, Tim, right here. We are going to give that away. That is going to be a special be, event be done here. And you know, on, on the thing like there's been, and I don't know if it's just nervous people. I don't know what it is, but there's been a few times this week, people discussing Bama needs a commitment. I mean, literally Keon Saab committed 10 days ago. He's a big one. I don't, and then almost like he doesn't count. Why the, why the hell would he not count? I don't understand. He is a guy that committed Alabama to play, but I think you have to like go through the process. Why would you? I don't feel you should rush a commitment. You want to see them, they're building relationships, right? They want to see them in camp, they want to see them in the April practices when that, whenever that window's open, when they can go to spring. You want to know as much about them as you can. And a lot of these guys are from a different area, so they're getting to know the, do, know the guys now. I will say, I think one to watch is possibly, uh, Josiah Sharman. Now, I don't know. He doesn't have a schedule, but uh, Sharma, I should say. And he's the big defensive back. I mean, sorry, big defensive lineman, the dancing bear for me in this class. A big guy that was previously, you know, um, um, sort of, you know, the minute Alabama got here, he was the guy they went after. Six foot five, big kid, 300 plus pounds, um, around the 300 plus mark. And when you watch his film, he's got a lot happening. Charles Power who, again, does the best job, you know, I think of anybody with the rankings. He's the most diligent. Moved him up to 157th in the country after watching this film. And, again, this guy's from Sacramento, California, Folsom High School. So not a lot was known about him from the southern schools, but the Washington staff knew about him. He was committed to them. So I think I'm not – he's one to watch, in my opinion, just because of the relationship and um, the, how high the staff has him on the board. But – you know, there's at this stage in February, 10 months away. I mean, I said this to a poster on the board, said we got to have a commitment. I'm like, he said, it'll ease my nerves. I said, no, it won't. For <laughs> 10 months, you're going to be worried he's going to flip. I know how that works. The ones that are nervous never stop being nervous. They're like, yeah, and I love them. 20, they have a 24-hour rule on commitments. Yes. If they're like, satisfied for 24 hours, then all right, what's the next one? I remember I would have one. a nugget. We'd have a nugget, a great nugget on a commitment or a kid or whoever. And somebody in the thread would inevitably say, um, hey, what are you hearing on Ryan Williams? I'm like, dude, stop. Take a breath of this air. We can move to Ryan later on. But also the ones that – and I love them. I know that they drive some of the other posters crazy, the edgy ones. But they're the ones that say, I want a commitment. They're like, oh, crap. He just liked the post by – you know what I mean? He's wearing purple. What does that mean? You know, they – they analyze it. He has a tweet going, man, that's no good. And they're like, oh, Lord, what is he doing? You find out he didn't like his Taco Bell or something, you know. It's like Kobe Prentice. Remember, Kobe had a uh, Snapchat. He was driving to Auburn. And everybody's like, there he goes in the portal. And I'm like, he's not even in the portal. He can't take a visit. And it turned out, you know, somebody close to him who said he was going to get his dog. We had a whole day where Kobe was going to Auburn when he wasn't even in the portal, by the way. You know, so, um, yeah, so I think, I think, uh, 
Sharma is a kid I'd watched, previously committed to Washington, has a good relationship. Kid I'm a huge fan of, um, could be the guy, but there's no time set for this. I mean, there's there's not a rush, although you think there's a rush. There's not really a rush. You, you want to get these guys right, and I think this staff is uh, doing a good job of that. Tide Hashira here in the mailbag. What are your A-Day attendance predictions? Tim, if I put the over-under at 49,999 fans, would you go over that? Would you go 50,000 plus or would you go under? I'll be, I'll be disappointed if it's not over. You know what I mean? I'll be disappointed if it's not over because regardless of anything, how do you not want to see so much newness? Regardless of anything, how do you not want to see Austin Mack throw a football? Are you kidding me? You don't want to see. You either love him or you were upset he came and ran off Julian saying, how do you not (laughs) want to see him throw a football? How do you not want to see Justice run, Richard Young run? You know, all the freshmen, Keon Key. uh, Transfers. Yes, transfer, Jeremy Bernard. You know, Jeremy Bernard, we don't have a strong view of him. Yes, Keon Sapp and – Hey, Domani, I mean, my gosh, I mean, those guys alone are worth coming. You know, even if you skip the support Alabama and support the new stat, the staff, if you just get to what you're going to see for the price you pay, which is nothing still, right? Yeah, as far as I know, it's still free. I, yeah, you know what? When it comes to the, like the NIL deal, I'd ask for at least a donation. Pass the boot. Pass now, the I would boot just say around. you could scan your phone and hit this and donate if you feel like it. I mean, it's yeah. not – you know, I mean, yeah. I've seen a lot of people have success with that. I, uh, I'll go over as well. I think you're on it with the newness. Uh, I'll tell you another thing too. I don't think it's going to be televised just straight up on SEC network or ESPN or ESPN two. I get the sense it'll probably be another one of those stream things. Now SEC network may just say, look, this is such a monumental transition. We are going to do this. I haven't seen that in terms of broadcast. But if it is just stream, there's still enough people out there that are not into that. And besides that, just want to be there anyway. And then weather's always a big part of it. Yeah. Too. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's things you can't predict this far out. But I'm with you. If you know what I would if you, those you things make, are kind of in place, I'd be surprised if it isn't 50,000. Bring up plus. a good point. I would almost tell them, don't run it live. Give me a week. Just like the teams do in professional sports where the they. The problem don't- is when you take those big checks that the sec took you don't you don't have any autonomy over well, they're hurt over they're that. definitely hurting the attendance you know yeah I mean? it will it, it could oh i mean yeah i mean but i agree with you if it's a good day baseball will be playing maybe that weekend mm-hmm. uh, there'll be something going on at the university there always is right so but again i'll be there i'll take the family there we'll we'll, we'll battle in to see um i certainly want to see you know jeremy bernard uh, myself, I've heard such great things about him. Um, and obviously, you know, the guys we've, we've been following, their recruitment, Quay Russaw, you know, I'm going to keep mentioning him. The freshmen, there's so many guys. There's literally Dylan. Dylan, I mean, are you, all right, Dylan, people, it's your chance. Ty Simpson. Another thing, um, too, is you get so many early enrollees in the spring game now, too. Yes. You don't have to wait until a blowout in the fall. You, you're you going to get to see Peyton Woodyard and – in all these guys, right? Right out yeah. right out the gate put, in the spring. 
And it's changed so much. If you remember, our biggest photo gallery of the year every year was what? The Friday night all freshman practice because it was your first look, and that was in August. Well, by August, you, you're, you've you seen them play. Also, you've seen them on their social media. You've seen them in the Alabama videos. So it's completely changed. So this is basically your first look. And for anybody following recruiting, and that's one of the reasons I love it now is that I'll be honest, I like it more with the December, January enrollees because I'm now seeing so many freshmen. I've already seen a lot of the other guys or the redshirt freshmen who I was high on. So, yeah, I'll go over. There you go. Also, Tied Hishira uh, asked, and with Kane Womack being on the sideline calling the defense, do you think Nick Sheridan will join him on the field? A couple of ways to look at that one, Tim. I did a little looking back on Ryan Grubb at Washington. He was a press box guy, which I get for offensive guys. I, w- I would want to be up there, too, with the vantage point. Too. And you got more probably clarity of thought up there in terms of because you got to stay a play call ahead. You're dictating, you know, you're dictating uh, in some ways to the defense and how it's going to have to adjust. So uh, I would say uh, we've seen it both ways at Alabama. I mean, we saw Tommy Reese in the box last year. We saw Bill O'Brien in the box. We saw Lane on the field getting his ass chewed out. I mean, it's it's worked both ways. I think it's just a a preference. What what do you think about that, Tim? Yeah, I think it is a preference. I mean, me, the kind of person I am, I'd want to be in the in the box. I would want to drown out as much noise as possible. I'd want to be hyper focused on what I just saw. I'd want to be micromanaging. You know, tell Tyler Booker this. You know, you got to relay this that. You got to do. You know, I would want all that plus the play call all in you know in that short time period. So for me. The visual would be better. I mean, it's to me, it's also like, you know, if you want to compare, watch watch a prospect's video, watch it on the sideline, and then watch it from the overhead from the stands. You're seeing a lot more of what's happening from those stands. But I guess it's just like you said, a feel. You know, I know the old school guys all seem to, you know, used to be on the sideline. I think I people- feel like defensively, it makes more sense for a coordinator to be on on the field on the sideline because it seems like there's more to orchestrate in real time and even pre-snap. I mean, how many times would you see it with Kirby, yeah. you know, when the defense would look over and he's jumping up and down like a maniac, but he's getting them adjusted or set those type of things. Whereas on the offensive side, you've got your position coaches. Now you've got GAs and people like that that are helping you uh, with the, with the process of getting play calls in and things like that. So yeah, I could see it that way. Uh, maybe for Sheridan, if that's the the route he chooses to go roll underscore tied here in the mailbag, any top basketball recruits coming into town in March, if not, maybe some guys to watch out for this summer, Tim, are there some yeah. identifiable guys? I know they had a point guard of note in town here recently. Yeah, I'm going to check and see. This weekend could be a huge weekend for them. I mean, Tennessee coming in town. Um, the last really, really – I mean, they still have Arkansas at home, but the last really, really big game uh, is this weekend. So we'll check and see. A lot of those decisions, again, are similar to football where they're made at the last decision, um, last moment. Their decisions are made at the last moment. But we'll have a list for them at some point this week. Uh, let's get into ghost of Bryant here. He's got some, uh, he wants some over-unders and we like those here on the show, as you know, uh, first one, Ryan Hollywood Williams, 
over under 600 receiving yards as a true freshman in 2024. Which way are you going there, Tim? You know what? If loving Hollywood is wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> so I am not. I am not going to have any. I might have sound bites where I overhyped him, but I'm not going to have any any record of under hyping Ryan. So I'm going over. I'm a big fan. The more the coaches talk about him, uh, the more I believe in him. I just think the kid's going to be, uh, he's going to be special. I mean, 600 is not easy either, but this is going to be a, this is going to be a little bit different. You know, with Nick Saban, probably go under, to be honest with you. But in this offense, I feel like 600 is, uh, is doable for uh, Ryan Williams. Yeah, I'm going to go over too, because I think he's going to be on the field, right? And in this offense, if you're on the field, I think it's very realistic to think he can surpass 600 receiving yards as a true freshman. Um, what about Justice Haynes? Goes to Bryant here. 800 rushing yards is the over-under for Justice Haynes as a sophomore. Which way are you going there, Tim? Yeah, I'm going to go like with Ryan. If loving justice is wrong, I don't want to be right. I think I'm a big believer in this guy's talent. I think he's going to have opportunities. I definitely believe he's going to have over – 800 all-purpose yards when you factor right. in. I think that we're, we're going to see him leak out of that backfield as well. But I'll go over. I think the opportunity is going to be there. I think it's going to be crowded. That one could be kind of close, but I think he's that, I think he's that explosive guy. I mean, I thought his game in uh, against Michigan, I thought his performance was outstanding considering how good they were defensively. So yeah, I, I, think, I thought he looked like a veteran back. In that That's, game, yes, patience was, and that was and, great defense. That's a fantastic yeah. defense. So, probably didn't run justice enough in retrospect in that yeah. game. I would agree. Michigan. The rushing yards, I know it was talked about. We talked about it immediately after the game. Oh, Michigan just dominated Alabama's offensive line. No, yeah. the problem was shotgun snaps. Uh, and then Alabama actually ran for you know 172 with sacks. Yeah. taken out of that uh total before kobe prentice and goes to bryant's mm. over unders tim over under 500 yards receiving for the junior in kobe prentice your guy too you've been a big kobe prentice guy all along man that's a tough one because you got ryan you got jeremy coming in i think they're both you know in position kendrick law yeah you got kendrick law and also jalen hale that's the guy i keep wondering how excited that staff's going to be about him. But um, I think he's right at the mark. I'm gonna, I would guess under 400 to 500 yards with five or six touchdowns for Kobe, I think is where I would be at. I'm going to go over, I That's think, great. in this That's offense. A- now, I also think this is going to go back on the quarterback getting the football to people on a consistent basis. Absolutely. Mike, yeah. Michael Penix last year. See, I'm I'm envisioning maybe a Jeremy Bernard kind of year for Kobe Prentice this year that Bernard had last year at Washington. Last year, Jeremy Bernard, 34 catches, 419 yards. So if it plays out that way, and that was in 14 games for Bernard. So that's something we don't know for sure right now either. Is it going to be 13 games? Could it be 15? I, you know, we could maybe think it's going to be somewhere in the middle of that, but that's that's the sort of stat line I can see for Kobe right now. But I think, as we talked about, there are some guys, Bernard, Kendrick, others that could impact one of them. his yeah, opportunities. He's, yeah, but, he's one know. of them. 
that had yeah. that opportunity. So he could be the guy that 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 grabs that you know the higher rung on the ladder. So very much could be over. Goes to Bryant on Jalen Milrow, five hundred rushing yards for the over under, thirty five hundred passing yards for Jalen. Jalen threw for nearly twenty nine hundred in thirteen games last season. That's it almost feels like to me, if he's the every game starter, it has to be more than 3,500 passing yards. I would because actually. Penix, Penix threw for damn near 5,000 yards last year at Washington. 10. I would think less. I would go probably under running, although I think it's close. And I think I would go over passing. If you're right, if he's the everyday starter for every game at quarterback, I would go over passing and under, under running, under the 500 rushing. The only reason why I think he could go he over. 500 this year, right? Yeah. The only reason yeah. why I think he could go over the 500 is because I don't see him getting sacked if he is the starter for the entirety of the season. Because I just don't see DeBoer having a starter in that offense being sacked 40-plus yeah, times. Fair. The ball is going to come out, or you're going to come out, I think is going to be part of that deal. And Jalen it, it very well may take that next step and be fine in that sort of uh, approach. Um Nah, here in the round table, mailbag says, Kalen DeBoer, Tim, calls you up tomorrow and says, someone is silently committed. Who's your money on for that silent commitment right now, Tim? What is wrong with you people? It's still <laughs> February. Uh, hey, hungry. Si hungry, Tim. A silent commitment. Commit hungry. I think it eliminates a guy like Sharma. I don't see any reason he'd be a silent. And they could have silence. You know, I'm not a huge fan of those. Um, you know, we had a good nugget this week on Antonio Coleman. I think if a guy's going to flip, he could be. Yeah, that's, I think silent, but, that's silent, but deadly if it's yeah, Antonio I mean, Coleman. It's still 10 that's months away. I mean, if it's someone, and I'm not, you know, Coleman would be a commitment to another school that indicates I still want to come or something. I can't think of anybody like a silent commitment. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. It would most likely for me be a guy committed to another school right now. Otherwise, I don't know why they'd be silently committed. Right. I mean, there's no real reason February to be silently committed to this staff unless you just want to, uh, you know, not tip off the school that you're going to. But I do think they are involved with that Antonio Coleman. Uh, JP fourteen twelve here in the mailbag. More football recruiting. Is Jamie French previously committed to Alabama before the coaching change from Nick Saban to Kalen DeBoer, the wide receiver from Mandarin High School in Jacksonville, Florida? Tim JP one four one two wants to know: Is Jamie French considering any new visits to Alabama? We've, you know, we there. I know the staff is talking to him. He hasn't set anything up. I mean, that one went, that one went kind of different pretty quick. I mean, mm -hmm. the staff does like him here, um, but he's got a, I mean, he's got a wide open window. He's one of the best. Uh, uh, I mean, schedule. He's got all kind of stuff coming up uh, with visits. Uh, I do think they will, they will continue to try to get him on campus. Um, but right now, he does. As far as we know, he doesn't have one set up. But, I mean, he still could. I mean, there's so much happening right now with these guys getting ready to take the visits. So much jockeying going on, too, because, I mean, you have those, uh, um, you know, you have every school in the country after him. And he's looking at, you know, from Ohio State to Texas, the Florida schools, 
Tennessee's looking at all those schools. Um, but I think he's considering taking a visit, whether or not he does, I don't know. But I do think, uh, you know, you know, Shep, the wide receiver coach, Shepard will uh, will have a big impact at the wide receiver position. Kids seem to like him, so he would have a, in my opinion, he'd have a chance to get him back on campus. But they could just be working that relationship. Also, JP one four one two asks, what are the chances twenty twenty five quarterbacks Juju Lewis currently committed to the SC Trojans and Deuce Knight? Uh, from Mississippi, what are the chances either of those flip to the Crimson Tide? You know, I think with Juju, high-profile guy like that, I think the NIL is going to factor in. Um, I know he likes Alabama. He's coming back. He's been to Alabama. He's coming back for a visit. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if USC can hold on to him with, you know, Georgia's obviously in there. Everybody wants the guy, basically. Alabama's going to get a quarterback. We've discussed this. Who's it going to be? It very well could be someone committed to another school simply because all the top guys are basically committed for the most part. Same with Deuce Knight. I feel like Deuce Knight might be a little bit um, better, might be a little bit of a better chance with them being closer to home. I mean, obviously committed to Notre Dame early. Kalen DeBoer has been talking to him regularly. And again, these are guys from the South that the staff's just getting to know. You know, it, you'll have a better grasp of where that relationship sits in. Um, March and April, because believe it or not, I mean, most of these kids aren't that familiar with Washington. I would say most of them, like my kids, my kids love sports, and they saw Washington play twice this year, once against Oregon and once against, uh, I mean, they saw them three times, once against Oregon, once against Texas, and once against once against Michigan. So I think that's the average thought process for a lot of, a lot of, a lot of teenagers. Yeah, if it isn't Alabama, Juju needs to stick with SC. I got a kid involved in that one, so, you know. Can't come out there having them flip. No, no, no. Not no, on no. Savannah. Nope. Sav. All right. Uh, JP1412 also asks, it's early, but what will the next class be ranked, Tim? Top five, top 10, top 15, top 20 right now, Tim? You know, I, I think top 10 is, you know, and again, when we do these predictions, I err a little bit on the side of caution. I think top 10 is definitely based on the in-state group and the, how this staff recruits and the relationships and the players they're being mentioned with. Uh, there's been some kind of weird myth that they go after a lot of three stars. I mean, you know, the thing about this is, I mean, do your diligence, look into the guys before you decide they're a three star when the rankings are updated. I mean, uh, Jackson Lloyd, Alabama brought him in from Carmel by the sea in California. He's a three star people question him. He's now 26 in the country. Number 26 overall, Charles Power evaluated and dug into him. The guy went up in the rankings. Joshua Sharma, who we mentioned, is another one, unranked three stars, 157. The rankings aren't set in February. I mean, these, this, this is the month you do your deepest dive into the upcoming seniors. So um, I think top 10 uh, is on the definitely on the table. And I think top five is is still the window is still there. Um, depending on who all they make up. But if they land these West Coast guys, do a good job in the South, they're definitely going to be in the top five contention for sure. So there you go. There's the roundtable mailbag for you on the latest edition of T. Watts and TR. Hey, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, certainly go ahead and do that right now. We would appreciate it. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button too while you're at it. Turn on those notifications. You'll get all of our video content as it drops right here 
on YouTube. And Tim, before we get out of here, Alabama baseball and softball. Talk about some perfect starts. I guess for Alabama baseball, an impressive midweek win uh, and coming from behind in Birmingham to beat UAB. But a real test out in Frisco, Texas, it looks like this weekend because Indiana's ranked. Um, Arizona's traditionally a strong program. And Dallas Baptist is one of those programs that people see the name and go, eh. Absolutely. You know, Dallas Baptist recently dimed Oklahoma State 14 to 4. So it's going to be a telling weekend, I think, in some ways for Rob Vaughn's first team at UA. Yeah, you know, you get the right pitcher, and it don't matter the name on that that jersey. You can be it, and everybody's know, you, got one. Yeah, they all. You get this guy. Everybody's got to, one. Yeah, you want to stay home, but yeah, that UAB game that was a fantastic game. They looked very lethargic. I mean, down four to nothing after two innings, just ugly, just a just just errors, and just just didn't look really into the game. But it got really competitive about the fourth or fifth inning, they scored a couple, ended up tying it up, taking a 6-4 lead, gave up two, one in the eighth, one in the bottom of the ninth, going to extra inning, scored three. It was a heck of a battle. I mean, it was a fun game to watch. I mean, it was back and forth. There was some high drama. The wind, if you remember last week, was blowing. Mm -hmm. The day of that game was blowing like crazy. But, yeah, going to Indiana, they're a little bit battle-tested. They've already faced number 12 Duke, uh, who beat them 6-3. to three. Uh, Coastal Carolina, they beat a ranked team. But, you know, these midweek games going to the UAB game, when I was looking at Indiana's schedule, I mean, they come in, you know, and they've lost to Purdue-Fort Wayne um, this week on Tuesday, 6-9, to nine, which is similar to that Alabama game uh, we're talking about. You know, those midweek games, <laughs> yeah. you know, you go into LSU and take two or three and sweep, uh, you know, Kentucky. But in the middle of the week, you lose to some, you know, you lose to Jacksonville State. So, uh, those middle week games are tough ones, but yeah, two ranked opponents this week. Um, and I bet they're looking forward to it. Nine and no start. So I still haven't seen softball. I'm not a softball person. So we're counting on you, Jimmy Stein. To, Jimmy Stein. To yeah. I enjoy it. Enjoy it a lot. I just so, can't get uh, over the short field. Like I got people telling me to lower the women's basketball goal, but nobody <laughs> says extend the friggin' fence. They played at that at 12. Yeah, I, I, I was I'll tell you, man, I love the pace of the softball, though. I love I do seven love innings that. and get me in and out in an hour and 45. And they've even taken additional measures now between pitches to speed it up. I love I, it. I mean, I just love can't it. Get over. Like, I wish I wish. You see, I, I grew up in a fast pitch family. The old man played when I was a baby. So I grew up going to softball tournaments in Birmingham, Tuscaloosa, Atlanta. I mean, I, I grew up around it, so it probably hits me different. But I, I get it. I mean, um, if you've been baseball, 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 uh, it's it can be a, an adjustment, I'm sure. But uh, I like them both. And it, it's it's a fun weekend coming up because Alabama going to get challenged, Arizona, I think, on the schedule for softball too. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I tell you, I'm telling you, the thing that I will never get over softball, I think, is that they – with the, we played in the Alabaster Fields, the kids did, and they did a junior college or something women's tournament. Mm -hmm. And I was like, How are they playing? How are they playing that over there? And they were on the field where the, the 10 year old boys were playing. Yeah. And they're like, No, 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 that's the fence their whole career. And I was like, That can't be right. Cause you know, in the boys' mind, I mean, well, you know, in, but, in boys, you go from little to bigger to major yeah. league, it's huge. So I was shocked 
because they're, and also they're, fa- it's like a, I mean, they're mm. so fast. Well, you know, I played men's fast pitch softball many, many years ago and we played in a slow pitch part. We played on 300 foot fences, but we played tournaments where it's 285 and there still wasn't a lot of home runs. Ball just doesn't go as far. And then you get some of these pitchers. I know the miles per hour is like 70, but Tim, they're throwing that from like oh, man, six not, feet. They're throwing no, it from 15 just, feet closer. So it equates out to mid nineties. It's it's and the ball rises, drops, does all kinds. Of, for me, for me, it's the taking away the single and the runner going from first to third. Yeah. I just like is that just it seems like almost impossible I, whenever I, I've I, seen it because it, it, it's tough if if you're talking about a ball to the outfield where an outfielder doesn't at least have to move a step or yeah. two left or right. But the bases are closer too. So if yeah. that outfielder has to move a little bit, you will see some of these players in softball go first to third. But um I guess yeah, it's probably it's just a it's just a mental block. Imagine if the yeah. boys at 12 were still playing on the same yeah. fence at 23. I know. I grew up in it and look, I played it with buddies and guys that played college baseball at a high level. And then when baseball was over in the summer, they'd say, Hey, I'm gonna go play some of this fast pitch softball. Yeah, and for about a month, they couldn't touch it. No, because, it looks hard. I'm not because, doubting that. Because it, it is that the, the pitcher is on top of you. And if you've and got one that can throw it, a lot of these baseball players, they want to, you know, they want to, they want to set, take that big step with that front foot. No, there ain't no. If you do that in fast pitch softball, the ball is. The There's mid. no stay yeah. back in fast pitch it's softball. All, it's all two strike hitting in fast pitch softball. That's yeah, the best no way state, I know to describe no, it. No weight on it. You know, and no, I've seen you spread out. Chasten. You spread out with your feet and you try to look at that hip where it's coming from. And you got about three feet to make up your mind. And, and that's, that's why also, that rise ball that you'll see is so devastating because out of the hand, it looks so good. And then by the time you swing at it, it's up around your juggler so we went deep on softball we got kind of in the nuts and bolts there you haven't answered any of my questions though. <laughs> so, i mean i'm gonna need some ruling i can't on, answer a man i can't I all like I the girls are so strong and fat i mean there's some yeah. really great athletes i just well feel like i'll tell you this i'd like to see them you know turn I, loose I, I watched a game a couple of sundays ago i just turned the tv on it was a sunday morning it's one of these pre early season tournaments so they're playing like all day and it was down in Clearwater, and they were playing on 220 fences. And I saw Georgia hit about six home runs, and that was a game where the fences needed to be 300 because these weren't just balls clearing the 220. These were balls going over the camera stand in center field. So I do think, to your point, with the athletes improving and you know bigger, stronger, faster in every sport, I can envision a time where they do they do look at pushing the fences back a little bit. I just like ball. to see, because I, I just would like to see more of the situational base, because that's yeah. kind of what I like. I like home runs. Well, you'll see more bunting. You'll see more bunting in softball than you will baseball these days. I just remember Nobody girls, bunts in baseball anymore. I just remember the girls that were jousting back in the day where they were running <laughs> at the ball, and I was like, that's amazing. How are you doing that? How are you even running to that box? I would have loved to have watched that with young Tim. Young TR and young Tim. No, I've got. I mean, it's not like I haven't thought about softball. There's going to have to. I love it. I enjoy college baseball too. Um, But yeah, I guess that's a good getting off point here for the program. It's been fun though, man. Enjoyed this one. 
We always the Thursday. We always have a little bit more to talk about. Yeah, I think Thursday's a good day. You, you know, know? We get to make fun of all the dumb things the NCAA and everybody does. The rule maker. I wish these rule makers were my parents. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just feel like I'd have got away with every. You know what I mean? I just feel like I'd have got away with everything. You give them any story. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How about our I boy mean, Bob right here? Bob says softball lover. All right, Bob. I respect it. I respect it. Yeah. I'm just at the point I'm not sure I can add another sport. Well, you that's will see. Me. You love the NBA. You're our senior NBA correspondent. Love major league. That's and you're our senior season. major league baseball correspondent. I'm our PGA tour guy. Yes. See, I just yes. I, any more and you, sports? And you don't. You don't have to. I guess that's the point, Tim. You don't have to. We got you. You got me. Yeah. Because I'm not going to be the NBA guy. I'm not going to be the MLB guy. You're not going to be the PGA Tour guy. It's It works. I just know? feel like any more sports, and I'm really pushing Mrs. Watts. To yeah, bring I hear you on that one. It's been 25 years. I'm kind of shocked I'm still in the game. Be <laughs> it's been 30 for your boy. I, I feel, I, I'm like a 33-year-old defensive back Ooh. wondering why I haven't been cut from the roster to save salary cap. People ask me all the time, how long did you think you'd be married? I'm like, oh, seven, eight years. Yeah. Shoot, I was like, but I, I got so lucky. Really, that's the only really way was, I, you know. That's what I, I asked my, I asked Pops one time. I said, you got any advice? I was getting married. He said, marriage is 100% luck. I said, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I guess I'll people, set sail. Yeah, I'll tell people I'll be as long as married as, as long as she tells me. As long as the locks don't get changed, Teddy's in here. Now. I'm gonna let He's her yell cut it. on this one. Teddy, the the show mascot. But uh, all right, we'll do it. We'll do it up next week. We'll have yes, a, we will. After should have Jimmy Stein on Monday. Monday, what we'll Jimmy Stein? will kick up. We'll we're gonna have spring with, practice next week. I mean, we're gonna have yeah. a huge week of yeah. college we basketball have some recruiting. We'll have Andrew Joseph. We get them on. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. We'll have plenty. We'll have plenty, and we hope you'll join us right here on the YouTube home for BamaOnline.com. Again, hit subscribe, hit like, turn on those notifications. You'll get all this stuff as it drops. And, of course, you want to be right there with us primarily at the BamaOnline.com website. The Roundtable, our premium message board there at BOL. Get there right now. That's where we're headed. And so for Tim Watts, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us. Until next time, so long, everybody.